Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, very familiar portion of Scripture to most concerning Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 19. We're in a series on Sunday nights that we've been preaching. We've titled Learning to Hear God. Learning to Hear God. If you would please stand for the reign of God's Word if you're able to this evening. 1 Kings chapter 19, we'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, Go, so let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take, my, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruse of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid, down, laid him down again. The angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights to Hor- unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord and of Lord God of hosts and for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord. God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Ahimelola, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him." If you look back in verse 12 of our text tonight where we start, it says, And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still 
small voice. I'd like to preach a message, a still, small voice, and let's pray. Father, we come to you asking that you would meet with us. Lord, I'm unworthy, Lord, to, to deliver the word, but Lord, I thank you that I'm able to do so tonight. Lord, and I pray that you'd strengthen me and guide me and give me wisdom and understanding of thy word. And Lord, I pray that you would increase, Lord, if folks could see you high and lifted up. Lord, there's such a need today for Christians and churches to see you and not the preachers, not other people, not ways and organizations, Lord, and not programs, but to see you high and lifted up. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight. May the Holy Spirit have freedom to speak and to deal and to work in our lives. And, Lord, may we allow you to take control of our hearts and minds and thinking tonight. Speak through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. Here we've got a great prophet who has just experienced a great victory. Elijah was a, was a tremendous prophet, and I, I enjoy reading about Elijah and Elisha both. And, but he had just experienced a... Uh, a, a great victory in calling down fire from heaven to devour the, the, the uh, offering that, on that altar. And, and also they had taken the, the, the prophets of Baal, which were 400 of them down, or the priests of Baal, and, and uh, had taken them down and slew them. And a great victory was wrought that day. But now he's on the run from Jezebel. Jezebel had, said that, had threatened him that she was going to do the same to him, put him to death. And so he's on the run. And it's an amazing thing, you know, he possibly thought that there would be a great acceptance because the people had seen the fire come down from heaven and consume the, the burnt offering and, and all that took place there. And, and uh, he thought, well, and then, the, then he had prayed and the rain came back after a drought of three years. He thought, surely the people will be acceptable unto me. And, but when he heard the voice of Jezebel saying that she was going to have him killed, it put, him, put fear in his heart and life. So he's on the run, and so now Elijah has come to a cave and is uh, about to hear from the Lord. By the way, if you do a little bit of figuring there and look at the geography there, it's about, it's about 200 miles from where he was that he went to this cave. Should have took him about 10 days. It took him 40. And, uh, what, and there's, a, there's another message in that, but I'm not going to get into that. The, the fact is, is that many times we don't realize uh, God has some pictures of some things there, but... It took him a while. God had to, had to work on the way as he came. And so now here he's in this cave and he's been on the run and he's been fearful. He's been, he's been uh, uh, distraught because of them seeking his life and he's run for his life. So the Lord spoke to Elijah in his despair and in his fear. Look at verse 9. It says, and it came, He came thither to, unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to, to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Can I tell you something tonight? Lord doesn't have to ask you what you're doing there. He already knows. But the problem is, is that you haven't decided in your heart and life why you're there. And you don't see the real reason. And so he asked him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And uh, it, was, it, was, it was not so much the ge geography, the geographical place, the physical place that he was at, not the, the cave or even where he was at there in that mountain. But where are you, he said, in your heart and life? Where are you at? I believe that's what he's really saying. Why are you here? Not why, but when you're thinking, why did you come here? Elijah, you just witnessed the fire fall from heaven. 
and consumed the sacrifice and the altar and all that was there in, in 1 Kings 18, verse 38. And, 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 and a lot of times we read over that verse so fast, we, we miss a couple of things there. We can think about the, the altar made of wood and stuff, uh, altar made of wood being burned up by the fire. We can think of the sacrifice being burned up by fire, but listen to it. It says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. This was not just fire coming down and, and eating up and burning up the sacrifice and the wood. But I mean it consumed the rocks, it consumed the dust, it consumed the water that was in the trench and all around it. It consumed it all. I mean this was, this was a, a great miracle of God as God poured out uh, uh, His hand upon this, uh, upon this sacrifice and accepted it. I believe He goes on and says, Elijah, you had just experienced me answering your prayer to send down the fire to open the faucet of heaven, to send the rain. You see how I gave you power and safety before Ahab? He could have took you out and killed you. He had you there, had Israel there. He had probably his soldiers there with him. He said, but I protected you. I think he might have said, why, you know, been, the understanding would have been, why are you running in fear and in doubt? Did I not hide you and protect you for three years, feed you by the raven and by the widow and her, that only had enough meal and oil to, for her and her son? For their last meal. And I believe that's why he's saying, what doest thou here, Elijah? Why are you here after you've seen all this? After you've seen what I could do? After you've seen your prayers answered? After you've seen the hand of God move in such a powerful way, what are you doing here? And he's speaking to Elijah. You know, sometime as the Lord speaks, he's got to get you and me to look at him not the situations before us. Sometimes our eyes are so fastened on the situation at hand that we fail to think about the blessings of God and the hand of God and the power of God and what He's done already in our lives and what He can do and what He will do. But Elijah wasn't really listening. We've been, we've been you know, this series has been about learning to listen to the Lord. You say, well, preacher, He, he answered him. I know He answered him. But I don't believe he really was listening because what he does, he lays out a case to justify himself. Look what he says there in verse 10. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And notice what he says, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I believe the, the, the frame of mind and the attitude of his speech and the way that he's saying that, it's almost like, don't you understand, God, what is happening to me? I only, me, I'm the one left. And he's laying it out, justifying why he's been on the run. He's trying to justify to the Lord why he has has uh, left them down there and why he's up there hiding and why maybe he had prayed for the Lord to even take his life. And he's trying to justify all this together and what he's saying to the Lord. You know, a lot of times what happens is we don't listen really to what the Lord's saying. We try to justify what we're doing. We try to justify where we're at in our lives. 
And really the whole thing is this. The reason that we do that, now listen to me, the reason that we do that is because we are not listening to God. We're not listening to God. Elijah, didn't you see my hand move against that sacrifice? Elijah, don't you remember how I protected you from Ahab? Elijah, don't you remember how I fed you with that raven, by that brook? Elijah, don't you remember how that I, I, I led you to a widow's house and, and sustained you there and kept the meal coming in the barrel and the, and the pot of oil to replenish itself all the time until it was time to come forth before Ahab? Don't you remember all this? And all that Elijah could see was Jezebel wants to be dead. She wants to kill me. Lord had to correct Elijah's way of thinking of God to get him to listen to the voice of God. A lot of times we think just because we hear something that we're listening. Can I tell you something? Just because you hear it doesn't mean you're listening. Just because we read it doesn't mean that we're, we're comprehending it. And sometimes when God is speaking to our hearts and lives, it doesn't mean that we're really listening Every one of us has been in this situation. I get into, into this situation, get in trouble all the time. Janine will say something and I'll give her an answer. I'll say something back. And she'll say, didn't you hear what I said? And all of a sudden I'm going in my mind. And she said, I didn't say anything about that. I was praying. <laughs> and sometimes when we think that we're listening, we're not listening. We're hearing something, but we're not listening. How many times have you been asked one thing and you got completely something? We all played that game before you... You know, you, 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 you say something to this guy and he says it to that person, that person, that person. And you find out when it gets way down the line, it's not even close to what you said. Why? Because really, we're not listening many times. Sometimes a preacher gets up and preaches and guess what? We hear only what we want to hear. We're not really listening. Sometimes we get in our Bibles and God's trying to speak to our hearts and we're reading and we're only getting what we want to hear what we're listening to God say. I think Elijah was there. I think he was at that point that his mind was so consumed with the fact that he felt like he was the only one living that was serving God and that, that Jezebel was trying to, to uh, kill him that he missed out on what God was trying to say. So God had to correct Elijah's thinking to get him to listen to his voice. Look at verse 11. It says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But notice this. It says, But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. You see, 
the Lord wasn't in the wind that rent the mountains. That was a great display of power, wasn't it? The Lord wasn't in the earthquake. That's a picture of God that holds all things in His hand and can shake it at any time He wants to. But He wasn't in that. The Lord wasn't in the fire, a reality of the judgment of God. And folks, we've got to understand that fire does, uh, is a picture of the judgment of God. But He wasn't in that. You see, all... All those could be used by God and has been used by God, but could I say that God does not always speak to us that way? And I'm going to put insert there, praise the Lord that He doesn't. What if it the only way that He spoke to you and me was through a mighty wind that would break everything around you? What if the only way that you could hear His voice was through a shaking so bad in your life that it crumbles everything around you? What if the only way that God spoke to us was through a fire that consumed and, and brought judgment into our lives? Now God does do that at times in situations. But not always. And the sad part is, is that many times that's what we're looking for when God speaks. And we're missing Him. He said... He tells us there, he says, and after the fire, a still, small voice. So often the Lord moves and speaks in just that still, small voice. See, if you're waiting to hear from the Lord only in a powerful wind or the earthquake or the fire, you want you're going to miss the still, small voice. Because you're looking for something big. You're looking for something so powerful that nobody can miss it. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I wish God would just write it in the sky. You know, so many times we miss it because we're looking for something big for God as He speaks. And so we're not tuned in to that still, small voice of God. I don't know about you, but there's many times different things in, in our lives that we only pay attention to them if it gets real loud or real big. Have you ever gotten somebody's car? Be driving down the road and you hear... Or some little noise. And he said, do you hear that? Oh, yeah. Been doing that for a long time. Ah, yeah, I don't worry about it. And they won't even check it out, won't do anything to, about it until it, it's a... <laughs> it's got to be a big noise before they get it checked out. And so many times, that still small voice, the Lord's trying to speak to us. And we're not listening. You see, if we must be blown into, the, into listening to the voice of the Lord by a mighty wind, there must be a great problem in our lives. If God has to use a mighty wind to get you to listen, there's a big problem. 
If it takes an earthquake of God to get us to listen to Him, that's, and that's the only way we're, we're, that we're going to listen, we're, we're missing out on who God is. If it takes the fire of God, the judgment of God to get us to open our ears and our heart to the Lord, we've drifted too far from the Lord. It's a still small voice. This still small voice was and is more powerful than the wind and the earthquake and the fire. You say, what? A still small voice more powerful than an earthquake or a fire or, 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 uh, or, 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 the, or the wind? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't understand that. Be laying in bed in the middle of the night and you hear the wind blowing. Yeah. And you just lay, turn over and go to sleep. But let there be in the middle of the night that little voice of a child and immediately those eyes are open And mom's on her feet. Dad's awake, but he's faking it. (laughs) Say, how do you know, preacher? Been there, done that. Four of them, amen? Just letting you know, Rachel. Just, you know, just in case, you know. Christy. All of you, yeah. That little small voice. It's amazing the power of that voice. And oh how our our ears, our spiritual ears and our hearts should be tuned to that still small voice. I'm not denying that there's times that there has to be the earthquake to get us to listen. I'm not denying that sometimes there has to be the the wind that shatters everything around us to get us to listen. I'm not even denying the fact that we can get far enough away from God that the judgment of God has to come down in our lives to get us to listen. But what I'm saying is that really the still small voice is so much more powerful than the rest of it. We fail to see that. We fail to understand it. So we're not listening many times for that still small voice. The still small voice was and is that most powerful than anything else. Look at verse 12 where it says, And after the earthquake and the fire, and the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice. Someone said great doors are swung on little hinges. If you've ever seen some of these great big huge doors and you look and the hinges, they seem so small to handle something so great. You look at those doors back there and there's, I don't know if there's three or four hinges on it and to handle those doors. Many times we don't realize that the small things are so powerful. God uses small things to open mighty doors that in our lives. That's what Elijah had to learn. He had to learn that the small things. You see, Elijah was accustomed to big dynamic things. He was used to calling down fire from heaven. 
He was used to that, that type of, of speaking of God. And God said, wait a minute, I want you to understand something. That's not all that I am. In fact, is God sent something so small that is more powerful than anything else. And he sent his son as a babe, little innocent baby into the world to save all mankind. Oh, seems so small, but so powerful. As those shepherds came in and they looked down in that, in, that, uh, in, that, in that manger and they seen that little babe and they was thinking about the announcement of those angels and thinking, how could this, such a small little child, be the answer for all? But he was and he is. Far too often we're looking for that which seems mighty in our eyes as the voice of the Lord speaks. Sometimes it is, but usually it's the small, still voice by which the Lord speaks to your heart and soul. Sometimes it's something as small as a tear that is shed. I don't know about you, but I know Brother Ronnie's been where I've been on those. You walk into a hospital room or you walk in some place and maybe your day's been full and, and maybe different things going on and you almost feel a little bit hard-hearted sometimes and you walk in, you know you got to do what you're supposed to do and, and pray with the people and you walk in and you look at a family member and a tear running down their, their face and God says, are you listening to me? You're not here for you. You're here for me. Something as small as a tear as you see someone shedding a tear of brokenness and how God can use it to speak to our hearts and get us to realize who He is and why we're here. Maybe you walk outside and it's the birds singing their song. You know, sometimes we ignore, this time of year, we ignore such a beautiful sound. You hear those robins and the birds, they begin to sing and the little peat frog, heard the peat frogs the other night, and somebody said, boy, that's a sign of spring. I said, amen. <laughs> Something so small, but God has his hand in it all. And you begin to realize that a mighty God cares about the song of a bird that speaks to your heart. It will call your eyes and your heart and your mind to heaven thinking about the goodness of God and His wonderful plan and how this all came into existence and how He loves us. Maybe it's the rustling of the water across the rocks. Maybe it's just a touch of a hand. Maybe it's the overwhelming of the Holy Spirit of God in your heart and life as you're sitting there and you just feel that the Lord has filled you and you're so full. And the voice of God speaks. Maybe it's the kind word of a stranger. You're down, you're discouraged, you've gone through a difficult day, or maybe there's things ahead of you and a stranger walks by and you don't even know them and they just wish you a good day. And God says, I sent them your way just to encourage you. A still small voice. 
It might be a song, you turn on the radio, or you got a CD in, or maybe it's a church, you come and you sit down, and you, there's things going on in your life that nobody else knows about, and it just seems as though God puts the right song maybe before you to hear. And it's more than just a song, it's a message from God in a still small voice. Maybe it's the pondering of the goodness of God as you drive down the highway and you think and you begin to look and see how good God has been to you and you begin to think about that and He's speaking in that still small voice. Nothing big going on around you. The wind's not shaking and the earth is not quaking and the fire's not burning, but boy, your heart's on fire because of a still small voice. Maybe it's the burden or the conviction suddenly on your heart as you see someone that doesn't know Christ as their Savior and God is wooing and speaking to you to tell them about Jesus Christ. In a still small voice. <laughs> there have been those times. There's a guy, that I was at the hospital, and I always, I always try to take opportunity when I go to the hospital. I'll, I'll make sure i got them tracks ready and I'll get in the elevator. People get on the elevator, you got them trapped. They can't get away from you, amen? <laughs> and I don't want them to think I'm a psycho or anything. I, I, I usually don't say if you died today. <laughs> but I usually ask them if they got a family member or a loved one there. And, and I said, usually tell them, could I give you something? If they're getting off or I'm getting off, and I'll give them a gospel tract. There's been a lot of times I've got on the elevator and God said, I put them on here for you. And I look at them and think, oh, Lord, not today. Not today. So yeah, today. I remember Brother Dale one time I got on there and everything and the Lord said, give him track. You sure about this? <laughs> and the Lord just wouldn't, and I don't know why. And so I reached my pocket, gave him gospel track. He looked at me, rolled over. He says, yeah, I know who you are. He said, I pastor up at, at Macon. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at him, I laughed and said, you must have needed it. <laughs> <laughs> we got to laughing about it, enjoyed it. I went on in, up into around the ICU, ICU unit up there, went in and visited with, with a member of our church and prayed with them, and, and they were doing well. I walked out. Man blessed that God was so good to us. And I heard a voice, a little voice. And it was a fellow down the hall. He said, are you the preacher? I said, well, I don't know if I'm the preacher. I said, I know I'm a, a, a pastor and I'm a preacher. He said, we've been praying for somebody to come. Would you come in and, and share the gospel with my mom? Went in. There she lay with tubes all through her nose and mouth and down her throat. And they said, Doctor said she don't have long.
give the gospel, had prayer with them and her. I don't know. Never saw them before, never saw them since. But just a little small voice down the hall saying, are you the preacher? I'm telling you, a little small voice is so much more powerful than the wind and the earthquake and the fire many times. That tear, and you've heard me tell the story about the, about the old blacksmith and how that people would go and they would lay out how wicked and hard he was and try to get him to get saved and tell him he needed to repent and everything else. That one Sunday is that One man from the church, he Lord laid on his heart to go talk to him. They stopped his buggy out in front of the old blacksmith's shop and went in. And as he got there, he opened the door, and there was the blacksmith pounding on that anvil. The blacksmith stops and looks up. The man couldn't say a word. Tears streaming down his face. Finally, he just backs out, closes the door, gets in his buggy and goes home. That night, a knock comes on his door. He opens the door, and it's the blacksmith with tears rolling down his face and says, would you tell me how to be saved? He sat down with the man, took the Bible, showed that old hardened blacksmith how to be saved. And After he got done and they had praised the Lord and everything, he said, what was it? He said, I didn't say a word. He said, I couldn't say a word. He said, everybody's come to me and told me how wicked and bad and vile and wretched I was. He said, but you're the first one that ever stepped in those doors that ever shed a tear. I'm telling you, that still small voice of God speaking to hearts and lives of the lost. When they find that we really care and that we really love them. And it's God speaking through us. That still small voice is powerful, so powerful. Once Elijah listened to the Lord, the Lord gave him direction. Verse 13 says, And it was so when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, God of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Notice what happens here. He says, And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. When thou comest, thou anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu, son of Nimshai, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abimeholah, uh, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. He goes on and says, Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. The Lord asked Elijah again the same question they'd asked him before. He said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And you say, Well, it just looks like he answered him the same way. I 
believe in my heart as I see the, the context and where it's written. Yes, Elijah answered him exactly the same as far as words, but in a different manner, in a different spirit, because he had heard the still small voice. Can I tell you that when you hear the still small voice, it'll change your spirit and your attitude. Doesn't mean that your situation has necessarily, necessarily changed, but you'll look at your situation completely different when you hear the still small voice. Yes, he was there, and he told him why he was there. He said, this is why I am here. And the Lord reveals to him that he's not done to him, with him. He says, I want you to return. There's a job to do. Folks, we hear a lot of rattling of sabers. We hear a lot of, of difficulties in the world, and we're, and we're waiting for some big boom and waiting for some big thing to happen. And God said, wait a minute, I'm trying to speak to you in a still small voice. Can I tell you that I believe with all my heart that God is speaking tonight, tomorrow, and every day to every one of us in a still small voice. Our problem is, is that we're waiting for the earthquake. We're waiting for the wind. We're waiting for the fire. Can I tell you that if you don't listen for the still small voice, unfortunately you will hear the wind. And you will feel the earthquake. And if you wait long enough, you'll see the fire. It'd be so much easier for us to listen, not just hear. There is a major difference. Not just hear what God says, thus saith the Lord, but to listen to that still small voice. They'll change our manner of life. They'll change our spirit. That'll change the way that we approach all things. He lifts up the heart and he, he lifted him up. He said, listen, Elijah, I want you to know something else here. He said, you feel like you're the only one? He said, I'll let you in on a secret. There's 7,000 that's never bowed their knee and never kissed Baal. You're not alone. And so many times when we feel like we're all alone and like everything is collapsing around us, in that still small voice, he says, you're not alone. But if you're waiting for the thunder, you're waiting for the lightning, if you're waiting for all that to happen, you're going to miss the still small voice. We must learn to listen for that still small voice because there will not always be the fire. There'll not always be the wind. There'll not always be the earthquake to speak to our hearts. We've based God speaking too often on earth-shattering events. You know, a lot of people we, in life, we've, we've heard people talk about, boy, God did this, or I mean, this happened, and boom, wham, bang. And for some reason, we've got to that point where that's what we're listening for. And God says, I don't always speak that way. And I believe with all my heart that most of the time a Christian's trying to live for God, he's trying to speak in a small, still voice, a still, small voice. But we're looking for the shattering event. 
Tonight, could I get you just to not just hear, but to listen to the still, small voice of God. Sometimes, like Elijah, you've got to get alone. You've got to head to that cave where it's just you and God. But if you listen, he'll speak. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. There may be a need here tonight. and Lord, I pray that you'd be with each person, Lord, that they've been waiting for something big to happen. Lord, I pray that they would just tune in and listen. Lord, not just hear, but listen to that still, small voice. Lord, you're continually trying to speak to us. It may be through a tear. It may be through all these other small things. Definitely, you're trying to speak to us through your, your word and through the Holy Spirit. May we listen. May we learn to listen. And Lord, may it change our spirit and our attitude and how we deal with life and those around us. Have your will and way, Lord. I pray in this invitation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed?